My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. Dan, what movie are we talking about? We're talking about a movie called Spiral Farm. It is from a young filmmaker named Alec Tibaldi, and it stars an actress named Piper De Palma. And uh, wouldn't you know it, they are kind people who have decided to be on our show. So instead of talking about their movie, we're going to let them talk about their movie for us. That's right. We are interviewing writer-director Alec Tibaldi and star Piper De Palma of Spiral Farm. Yes. And uh, uh, Dan and I were just complimenting ourselves on how we don't hit this in the interview, so we'll hit you with it up top. You know Piper's name because you know her dad's name, Brian De Palma. Uh, Piper De Palma is uh, his daughter. Uh, and uh, Alec is like a young filmmaker who had made some short films with her, and they'll tell you about that in the interview. It's, it's a Spiral Farm is cool. You can rent it right now. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's available for you to watch as you're listening to this. So we highly recommend you do that. We both enjoyed the movie a lot. Uh, so watch it and then uh, listen to our interview with them. But Dan, should we plug our own show up top here? Yes, of course, because our show is called I Like <laughs> to Movie Movie, and uh, which is I Like to Movie on all the platforms. Or just fucking Google it or Bing yeah. it. Whatever you got to do. Duck, duck, go it. Whatever it is that you want to do. And... Um, yeah, you can find us, so definitely like and subscribe. Uh, also, check us out on YouTube. We've been releasing videos bi-weekly, yeah. so tune in there. That's a little bit of a looser, more uh, like a less scholarly show. We have yeah. some uh, strange guests on there, but we have a lot of fun, and we're going to be giving out some prizes on there in the near future. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely check that out. And uh, I don't know, I think that's everything. No, that's good. We'll, we'll turn it over to uh, Alec and Piper now, who were like, extremely kind and fun to talk to. Um, they, we're both. We want to drive home the point how kind they were. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> I, I just. People. I'm always like so grateful that anybody gives us time. That that's all I want to tell anybody is like you would not believe that they spent an hour with us. It was it was yeah. unreal. You know, these are real people that made a real movie and they yeah. called into a couple fucking stone schlubs in Philly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God damn. Um, but uh, now yes. I just want to get Richard Kind on here so I can be like this next guy, Richard. Kind. <laughs> I'm introducing him like a comic. This, Dude, I've been playing I would... clubs and colleges up and down these. Um, I would this love guy, to Richard talk to kind, Richard Kind. He's so kind. And I bet he's kind, too. Uh-huh. He, he's on Never Not Funny him. sometimes. And uh, oh, boy, nice. is he. Yeah, he is. Um, he did a... Um, did you watch John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch? I have not yet. I'm looking forward to watching You that. really should. It's yeah. fantastic. But they do Girl Talk with Richard Kind. And it's Richard Kind in a talk show called Girl Talk where he's talking to like 10-year-old girls about life. (laughs) And he's great for it. And you can tell that these little girls love him because he's such a warm guy. Yeah, It's it's really funny. Oh, man. Um, Awesome. Highly recommend it. But just be forewarned, you're going to have like 10 songs stuck in your head after you watch it because it's fantastic. Uh, well, yeah, so let's turn it yeah, over let's to turn it uh, over. Alec and Piper um, and uh, check out their movie Spiral Farm. It's on Amazon, and I, I think it's actually available for rent like a bunch of places. So just yeah, You can type, even get a DVD. Yeah, you can get a DVD. Uh, they so, yeah. printed a physical copy, <laughs> and you can uh, get physical media. Yeah, check it out, and then uh, listen to our interview with uh, Alec and Piper. 
Welcome to the show. This week we have uh, two very special guests with us to talk about their new movie. Uh, we'd like to welcome Alec Tabaldi and Piper De Palma to I Like to Movie Movie Today. Guys, say hello. 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 <laughs> Uh, Alec is the uh, director and writer of Spiral Farm, which Piper is the star of, uh, which you guys gave us the opportunity to uh, check out uh, before uh, speaking with you guys today. Uh, and uh, we're really excited to chat with you guys about your movie. Me too. All right. Well, I mean, let's just start it there. I, I'd rather... You you both know more about the movie than either of <laughs> us. So, uh, Alec, why don't you kick it off and tell us a little bit about your film? Sure. Um, Spiral Farm is a coming-of-age story about a young woman who is discovering herself. Um, she's kind of at a crossroads when we meet her in the film. And the film kind of explores the themes of family dysfunction and communal living um, through this character's, uh, through the lens of her. Um, so it's really Piper's story, uh, Piper's character's story. Um, and it's also kind of an examination of communal living and what that means for a young person. Right on. And so, and then Piper, how did you come to be involved with this? Um, Alec and I worked with each other on um, two shorts before this. Um, I met Alec when I was in high school um, through a friend of a friend. And um, that's when we first connected. And we just really loved working together um, on those two shorts. And we definitely like had a chemistry and um, Alec, I guess trusted me enough and wanted to write a feature um, with me in mind. And um, so it just kind of, I mean, I was there from the beginning. Um, Alec would send me drafts occasionally and we kind of go through them and talk about the character. So it's kind of funny that I was living with this character for a while before we actually got to shooting. And then um, being on this set together where everyone was sort of like a family. It, it almost felt kind of method um, because mm -hmm. like a commune setting in the film and, you know, on, on set everyone like really loved and cared for each other. And we were spending hours together in the dirt and the weeds and whatever and getting down and dirty in it. And um, I don't know, it just kind of created this really beautiful film that was also incredibly fun to make. Oh, excellent. I love hearing when movies are fun to make. Yes. Um, and I, I very much enjoyed the movie. I thought you were wonderful. Yeah. It. I thought it was a really cool movie. Um, so, Alec, you, you wrote this with Piper in mind. Can you talk yeah, a little bit about that? Yeah, so Piper and I had met um, in 2015. I always fuck up this. this okay, <laughs> around, <laughs> around Around that time. <laughs> so we met around 2015. Um, I was looking to cast a young actress for a short film that I was working on. I met Piper at a Chipotle. We got along really well. Um, and we made those two films together and it was just a great collaboration. Um, I love working with Piper. I, I, I love being her first audience and watching her performances. And um, she had never acted for film before. Yeah. Um, and I had never made films before. So we kind of came up together with these shorts. Um, and then one of them, you know, was pretty, had had a nice little run on the festival circuit and that kind of inspired me to develop a feature. Um, and I just always had Piper in mind for this lead role. Um, so I wrote it for her with her in my mind as I was writing and it was nice. I got to send her drafts and outlines and hear her feedback. Um, so it wasn't like the typical actor director relationship. It was very collaborative and 
we're also just really good friends and have been for many years. So there's a lot that there's a lot that we can do without even saying anything. There's this kind of unspoken, natural way that we work together. Um, it definitely makes those first few days on set a lot less awkward. Um, and there's just not that time of needing to get to know one another when you built that foundation. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was it was a, it was always from the start going to be Piper. This is, this is the best Chipotle commercial I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, actually, total like Hollywood business question here. If you're meeting a potential co-creative at a Chipotle, <laughs> is it good or bad form to spring for the guac? <laughs> I think you have to spring for the guac. Fair. Yeah. Okay. If not, the creative will probably not want to work with you. Because <laughs> I, I take it either way. It's like, one, it's like, oh, man, that is $2 guac, and it's pretty good for what it's worth. But it's like they're showboating. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I also want to preface that, you know, we were like 16 and 20. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Were like a bunch of kids making a movie. You know, like it wasn't like, <laughs> it's you know, you know, now we would meet at like, uh, you know. Oh, somewhere. Starbucks. Yeah, somewhere yeah. fancy like Qdoba. Yeah. For yeah. <laughs> upgrading Del Taco. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, right on. That's cool. Uh, so where did you guys shoot this? Because, um, it, it, I mean, the, the movie, for people listening, the movie takes place on a commune uh, and uh, seems to have, like, what, like three buildings maybe? It seemed like a pretty small location. Where was it? Uh, it was in Los Angeles. It was in okay. the 30-mile zone. Uh, that was kind of a requirement for our budget size. Okay. My dream was to go up a little bit north and film in a more rural area, but LA is an amazing city to shoot in because it has all these little pockets and they recently extended that 30 mile zone to include uh, areas of the city that weren't available to shoot in. Um, and this was one of them. So we shot, we shot a week on the commune and then we shot a week, uh, the house that Amanda Plummer's character lives in that is a different location that we shot at because uh, okay. it was cheaper. Um, so we love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, and we, yeah we love that. <laughs> you already blew the money on the guac. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it was a week on the commune, and then how long in the in the house for a Plumber's character? Uh, so it was a week on the com. So it was five days on the commune, five days in the house, and then uh, two and a half days in the city. So we okay. shot it in twelve and a half days. Holy moly! That's mm. incredible. That is such a quick. That's fast. That's a really quick turnaround on a movie. Yeah. No, it was crazy. Yeah, it was too fast. <laughs> it was so funny because although, like, it was 12 days, it, those days, like, I don't know. They didn't feel like I was rushed or anything. I think because we just were having such a blast that it was like, let's just, you know, dive into this and get into the commune lifestyle. And I don't know. Yeah. It was like. It was like the best 12 days of my life. It was so much fun. Um, <laughs> right I didn't feel stressed, which was great. Like, Alec created a great environment where people just could work. Um, yeah. And play. Play was a big part of it. It certainly yeah, we, shows um, in the way that the characters interact. Uh, it feels like everybody knows each other. It feels like a real yeah. commune. Yeah. Yeah, and also, you know, about those 12 days, because we knew we didn't have the money to shoot a day longer, um, we really had to make sure that our visual style was going to not suffer mm. uh, because we had so little time to do setups and to do lighting. So, um, you know, we shot uh, really thinking that way. And it was a big, it was a big priority for myself and the DP, Scott Ray. We really prioritized the actors. And for us, it was more important that the actors get six or seven takes rather than Scott to spend two hours lighting the scene. And then the actors get three takes. That just wasn't this movie. and 
um, we really knew that from the beginning. I, I noticed. Well, oops, sorry. Oh, sorry. Dan. Go ahead, Garrett. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I noticed that in like the cinematography, the camera seemed to be like studying the behaviors of the characters. Uh, and that seemed to be like the sort of like the visual style of the film was to be a sort of behavioral study of these people. And I, I was like, I was actually, I was going to ask you about that because I thought that was such an interesting choice and it works very well for, I think, like what the themes of the story are. But I was curious how much that was sort of a creative choice made due to other limitations of the production versus like what you were actually trying to convey story-wise. Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. I definitely yeah. knew, I mean, we all understood going into it that this was a micro-budget film and I didn't want it to be a micro-budget film that was pretending to be anything that it was not. So I wanted to, Scott and I and, and everyone to really embrace that visual aesthetic that the film had to be. Um, so we did choose to do a lot of close-ups um, and we we really wanted it to feel we really wanted the camera work to be emotionally resonant, like yeah. that, that that all the close-ups and 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 the way that the camera moved had an emotional life to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and the the film is so rooted in Piper's character's feelings and how and what she's going through that we wanted the visual language of the film to really match that. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were just things that we wanted to do that we just it was not even on the table. So it, yeah. it it made it pretty easy. It was like, well, we can't afford this, we can't afford this, we can do handheld. How do we make that interesting? So like yeah. the aspect ratio doesn't cost anything to shoot the movie in four by three or sixteen by nine. Right. So when you're trying to portray a character that's that feels trapped, uh, the four by three really was uh effective, uh hopefully an effective and inexpensive way to try and do that. I love I'm that. so happy to hear you say yeah. that because I, I was I was unsure whether I should write the review that I wrote for your movie before or after we spoke with you. And I went for before, so it would be most so it would be purely my review and not influenced. Yeah. But I made a guess as to what the shifting aspect ratio sort of represented, and I was right. <laughs> I'm very pleased. Yeah, I was really impressed with that choice. Like I because I I, I tend to not actually notice that when it happens. My brain picks up on that like a, a little yeah. after it happens. Like every time it's I've a ever smooth transition every time it happens too. It's yeah. not a stark cut. Yeah. And every movie I've ever seen where it happens, it's like I people point it out later and I'm like, yeah, I did notice, but like I didn't notice when it happened. Like it just occurred to me later. And so anyway, I was like, I'm watching your movie and suddenly I realized like, oh, we're in wide. Like we're finally outside of the commune and now it's wide open. And then uh, suddenly we're back in the commune and I was like, oh, we're back. We've closed back up. We're, we're in these tight claustrophobic spaces again. But that was what I love so much about, I mean, uh, we do tend to spoil movies as we talk on the show. If you guys don't want us to spoil your movie, please let us know. Uh, you can stop me now. But Piper always spoils the movie at every interview that we do. Okay. <laughs> like, and then the end. I'm not ruining it for others. That's great. Uh, well, then allow me to say, when when the perspective goes back wide again, but we, we come to understand, I believe, that uh, Piper, your character does remain on the commune, but the perspective stays open and wide. I thought that was, ends, that ended up making that visual choice like so powerful, I think. Like that really conveyed so much to me in those final moments that that perspective stayed open despite your character choosing to stay there. Um, I, I assume that was like part of the intention of that choice. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it 
when we stayed because we experimented both ways and when we stayed in four by three for the ending it just felt too bleak and it mm -hmm. felt like man like she's just stuck in this place but the idea was is that although she has chosen to remain stuck in this place her world has opened up yeah and maybe she will venture out one day when the time right. is right uh, yeah. so we wanted it to be hopeful yeah yeah, it definitely, I was so impressed that all it was was that one little visual cue. And it did convey that hopefulness of the ending. Like, I got right away that that's sort of what the movie was ultimately about, was, you know, her, her growth to that moment. And, and despite not being able to leave yet, which I kind of understand too, uh, given the sort of cult background of uh, this place that she is. Uh, I don't know, I, I really like that. that. That all really worked for me. I was very impressed. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, regarding the performances, you know, with everything feeling so so naturalistic, was there any level of improvisation that came into it, or was this like a stick to the script movie? Um, no, there was quite a bit of improv. Um, I mean, I kind of felt like the script was more of a blueprint rather than like hard and fast. Oh, you have to say this at this time. Um, there were scenes that, you know, I kind of just got to go off the rails. Um, particularly when um, I do the Velociraptor thing. <laughs> That's literally one of my notes, was to yeah. ask if that was written or if it was something you were good at, because it's a really good <laughs> Velociraptor. <laughs> it's just something I have in my back pocket. Um, <laughs> that, um, I don't know, Just I think the scene just wasn't like flowing and Alex like, I don't know if Alec knew that I liked doing that or just you, did you just tell me to like do something ridiculous? And I was like, yeah, just try something. And yeah. then this, that happened and we were <laughs> no, all like- Try something. And I decided that a dinosaur was the best way to go. Um, but it kind of like, it was such a bizarre like choice looking back on it, but it kind of just like, it made Anahita less, she's kind of, she can be a bit of a Debbie Downer and like brooding. Um, but this was like, oh, she's fun and she can play. And um, there were quite a few scenes like that. And I think those scenes are so special because they just, it's the words that are just coming out of your mouth and not like, oh, I have to say this line. And if I don't say it correctly, I'm fucked. It's just like, mm. I don't know. It was very rarely, I feel like you get to play as much as we got to. Um, so it was very fortunate to be able to do that. And especially on, um, like my first like feature, it was just, I don't know, so much open range and possibilities and it just made it all the more enjoyable. I think it makes all the, the characters all the more compelling too. I, they, like I said before, this felt like real people. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no exposition in terms of like, meet Di, Di uh, is this type of person and has a history of it. Like there was none of that. Everything just kind of came through with the experience. And so, you know, kudos to that improv style, I think, for allowing that to come through. Well, I also, to, to speak to both of those things, one of the things I really enjoyed about the movie is that because it takes place in this commune, one of the things about a commune and an experience like that is that um, the roles of everyone are kind of blurred. Um, you know, uh, at least in this commune that's being depicted, you know, all women are sort of a mother figure to some extent. Um, mm -hmm. And that line gets a little blurred between some of the characters. And so it was like watching the movie was also a discovery process of really coming to understand like who everybody actually was and how they were actually related to one another and how they then 
their roles as they functioned within the commune and stuff. And what was interesting to me was that moment that you're referring to, Piper, where you guys improvised the dinosaur stuff, is a really great moment because it's a reminder that, um, you know, your character and um, the, the male lead that uh, is like kind of your co-star yeah. are kids. That yeah. they are kids, um, you know, despite your character being this motherly figure to this younger child and stuff. Like, it is a nice reminder how young and innocent they actually are um, and how just a trip to the city is such a big opening of their little, especially for your character, of this small world that uh, she exists in. Um, and so I really, yeah, that it's so incredible that that was like a just a small moment that you guys came to on your own because it really, it feels like such a strong storytelling choice. It's like a, it's a moment I feel like you need at that point in the story too, to be reminded of those things specifically. Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely think that it, it's, yeah, it was such a small moment, but looking back on it and thinking about it, it does really show, because when I was in the role of Anahita, I felt so much like a mother the whole time. Like the whole, I, and just like, it even showed on set, like I was so protective over um, Landon, I, the uh, kid who played Ocean. I was just like, he got a cut on his foot and I freaked out like, <laughs> on, the on set. And it just like, that was like the one day that I got to like, and I guess being in the city as well, just to kind yeah. of open up and be like, I'm a child. Like, you know, we do still silly things. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. It just happens. <laughs> the um towards the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where the group all engages in this chant slash song or whatever it yeah. is. And I found it like pretty unsettling. And I was just curious as to it was because of the like the melody of the song was really unsettling to me. And I yeah. wonder if that song pre existed or is this something that you guys threw together or how did that song come into existence? So for the shamanic ceremony, we had um, a friend of mine who is a shaman come, and I had only been to one of these ceremonies, and I, I, the one that I went to was slightly different, but I really wanted to basically just film a ceremony, so not very much was scripted in that scene. I had some ideas of where the scene needed to go. They had to drink the uh, hallucinogenic plant and all that stuff, but all the intention sharing and all of all of that stuff the actors just did and the shaman Mora she led it um, so the music happened organically and uh, it ended up staying in the movie um, yeah it is I mean it is unsettling and kind of creepy I think I mean when I went to the shamanic ceremony in Ojai it was um, it was it was a mixture of things. It was like beautiful and disturbing and complicated and weird and it was like all these things at once. And my experience hanging out on the commune was 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 also that where there was lots of beautiful things about it, but also lots of kind of weird, unconventional things about it. Um, so I think that experience of hanging out on the commune uh, really made me see that okay, like this is a vivid backdrop to try and tell a story on. Um, and I knew it immediately that it would be a really interesting setting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause that was, that was one thing I'm, I'm watching it and I'm, I'm like wrestling over whether to invoke the term cult. And as I was watching, I was going, okay, so when is like the culty shit going to come in and cause some ticking clock or some kind of thing to like move this around? And 
it wasn't until like three quarters of the way through that I realized, oh, this isn't really about that. You know, this yeah. isn't a film that that's, you know, that is just, as you said, a backdrop for this story about repression. And, you know, uh, uh, Anahita's desires, you know, commune, cult, or no, are similar to any youth's desires to, uh, you know, just kind of widen their, you know, widen their lens, if you will. And he's gone. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so that was just a... I lost my train of thought because that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that it wasn't necessarily about the commune itself so much as that that was really just kind of the yeah. the colors of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> there wasn't I, a question. I, re- I realized that. <laughs> no, I I remember I sent the when we got into Slam Dance, I sent the film to a sales agent. And he was like, oh, why didn't you make the movie like have a, be scarier? Like if there was yeah. just like a little more, if there was that scary element, we could sell this so much easier. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, so sorry. Yeah, they wanted the it movie. to be like a horror <laughs> movie about this experience. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, they wanted it to be creepier, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. It would have been a different well, genre and a, and a different movie. <laughs> yeah. Both yeah. have that sort of um, reputation in history as being sure. like these creepy, repressive, hive mind sort of things, but that just wasn't this movie. I mean, there is a hive mind, but it's not, that's not what, it's about an individual, which is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was fascinated by that, that it it is truly about your character's experience within this system. Um, it, It is not necessarily about her trying to break out of that. I think it's about her needing to break out of that system, but maybe not necessarily try you know she i don't know it, it was interesting that it was about her growth without that growth having to be at the expense of this system that she's inside of i think that is actually a pretty interesting perspective uh, only in as much as so many movies are about like young women set against systems like that if that makes sense yeah no i think it definitely makes sense i mean i feel like if she if she did actually leave it wouldn't be detrimental to the whole system, but it would be to her family. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like these little intertwined sort of systems within a larger system. And yeah. um, her decision to stay is because she doesn't want to, I mean, you, I guess you. this isn't the right way to think about it because there are a mul- multitude of ways. But how I thought of it was that she just doesn't want to let down her um, nephew. Like, yeah. She loves him. She doesn't want to leave him. Like, I feel like that was the biggest reason that she stays because she, if she's not around, he's going to have like a miserable life. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> seemed like she had a sense of responsibility, as you yeah. said, to her family, yeah. not necessarily to the commune. Mm-hmm. And it feels like her realization of that is like her, her growth. And that right. does feel like her getting some sort of leg up on this potentially toxic system that she is inside of you know yeah so a little uh, a craft question here so piper this is your feature debut mm-hmm. what is it like acting opposite uh, amanda Plummer, who's like a fucking yeah. legend yeah oh my god it was so it was so awesome um it was funny because we had a sort of like um I don't know what to call it. Not a play date, because that's weird. <laughs> it was a play date. It was a play date. It was, um, a play date. It was it's like a corporate bonding retreat. 
exactly. they do in offices. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys do a tough mutter together. <laughs> um, it was the the planet was me, Amanda, and Landon, um, and the task was to make dinner, um, and. So we all went to the grocery store and um, Amanda was just kind of throwing whatever she wanted in the cart. We had a budget of $20 and there were like <laughs> red vines in there. And I'm like, this can't be, we can't <laughs> make yeah, dinner. That's not the ingredient. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I was like having to rent and then Landon got lost. And I'm like, why is Amanda not concerned? Um, <laughs> so it was just like, it was so, it was like setting the stage for the relationships on the film because I was having to wrangle um, all the people and yeah. we had a lovely meal um, yeah. at the end of the day, although I cooked most of it. Um, <laughs> I thought you just settled for like red vines and Sprite. You're like, yeah. It's a meal. <laughs> I don't know how, but we made pizza somehow. Oh, right um, on. <laughs> melted down the red vines into sauce. Exactly. Yeah. No, cut it up into pepperoni slices. Um, <laughs> but so like having that sort of encounter with her and we had a couple coffees with Alec talking about the script. Just like, I, Amanda is a legend and she's a brilliant actress, but on set it was, I, I wasn't like intimidated. I was like, we're trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, she was great to work with. Like I, she just is so in the character so much that sometimes you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah, I was and, gonna say it sounds like Amanda Plummer is an Amanda Plummer character. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> I mean it was it was just and she's I don't know, she has her ways and like I totally was into them and it was she was like one of my favorite people to work with on set. Um cool. she was so committed to the scene every time and I don't know, she was she was great and a lovely person. She's really, really lovely and I like her a lot. But nice. Yeah. Well, you guys have a great rapport in the movie. You do feel like mother-daughter and mm -hmm. daughter who's frustrated with mom because mom's a little out there. It was spot on. <laughs> it's so funny because that was not my experience at all. I was so intimidated by Amanda from, like, <laughs> from our like initial meeting. And then I remember the first, one of the first scenes that we shot, um, the scene was not going well. Like it was the scene was it, you i don't think you were in uh maybe you were in that scene but it was that first scene where the group is having like a group meeting and we ended up removing oh. most of the we ended up removing most of the dialogue because the scene was not going well yeah. but amanda came up to me in, in like in between takes and she just said to me um it feels like i'm swimming in a pool of nothing <laughs> and i was just like uh, um and then she just goes and then sits back down and I was like <laughs> so like I was like fuck like it was like her first or second day and like yeah. the scene wasn't working for her and I couldn't help her and it was like it, it was you know for me I think it was just like um you know I I was 25 when we shot it and I you know grown up essentially like loving her movies and mm -hmm. respecting her so much that I felt like I I had like a duty to do well by her. And uh, also it was, it was very challenging to convince her to do the movie because we were so small. And, you know, she, she is, she does do independent films, but she's not accustomed to doing like films that are this micro and this small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was concerning about like, you know, our set is just, it, it, 
is our set going to feel unprofessional? Um, am I going to feel unprofessional as a filmmaker because I don't, I'm not an expert or anything. So I think it was like, there was a lot of anxiety around the Amanda days. Um, I'm happy that the cast that you Piper didn't, didn't feel that way. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think the intimidation was just based on the fact that I respect her so much and I wanted to do well by her. Yeah. Um, yeah she's honey bunny. <laughs> yeah. She's well, honey bunny. That's I like, can, I can say this honestly and sincerely is that you did do well by her. She's very good in the movie. Like her, you, you did do well by her, I think as a director, her performance is, is really great. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, with, with what I realized with her is that, um, uh, like you have to fuck it up for her to do bad. Like <laughs> she's like, she's so good and so committed and so present and so experienced that I think even if you are really bad, she can still get a good performance in. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And she's just someone who is such a pleasure to work with because she does something different every take. Mm -hmm. She's so alive and so present in the moment. Um, and it was like on the days that she was scheduled to be there, you know, she was the sort of biggest star, we should call it, you know, in the film. So you could see that, you know, the other actors and the crew, crew members, you know, there was a different, like a different comportment. And yeah. she did kind of elevate our very small film and kind of le like legitimize, le legitimize us, um, you know, in a way that I really appreciated. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a struggle to get her to do the movie. Um, it was not something that her management, I think, or her reps, I should say, were, were that encouraging of her to do it. Um, yeah. But I'm really grateful that she decided to do it and that we got her in the movie because I, I, I really don't know who could have played that part as well as she did. I mean, her and Piper, I mean, you guys are very compelling, like next to each other on screen, I think. Um, there, there is like a real dynamic there that is exciting to watch. That's, it's an honor to hear that, but I'm just <laughs> <laughs> to Amanda. I mean, like, she, the only way she would intimidate me is if, like, I knew that she was doing better. I'm like, you're acting better than I. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're outacting me. I know, she's overacting me. Um, <laughs> How dare you be a veteran of decades of film work? Ooh. So good. But, you know, when you have someone to that, like of that caliber and who's so experienced, it can help your performance because rather than be intimidated, you should be inspired and you should be like listening and being like, okay, I need to respond to this person who's like, has the upper hand here. Um, so she was, you know, I feel like she, if we had someone that wasn't as experienced or wasn't as great as Amanda, I don't know how my performance would have been affected. And I know it's interesting to think about. I really enjoyed, and I, I hope I don't mispronounce her name. Is it Jade Fusco? Fusco? Yeah, exactly. Fusco. Yeah, Fusco. That yeah. I was really blown away by that performance. Uh, I feel like I have met that mm. character in real life a handful of times, mm. and so uh, it was just scary good. Um, the scene where she is sort of coming on to, and now I'm going to forget his name. Theo. Um, Theo? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And Theo, so, yeah. yeah, the scene when she was coming on to him, I just, like, the interplay in that scene was something that seemed very real to life and, and familiar to a degree that, I don't know, it was just, I, I don't know who I'm complimenting here, but uh, <laughs> since you're here, Alex, to, to your direction, whatever you did to get the, to get, uh, you know, her doing what she was doing is fantastic. She, I really loved that performance, was quite taken by it. 
Yeah, I had originally written the part for a different actress and we had cast her and she was committed to doing it. And then um, the week that we were supposed to film all of those scenes, she uh, was on a TV show that week. Like she mm. thought that they weren't going to film her episode. So we were like, okay, we're safe. But then she was heavily featured in the episode. So she couldn't get around it. And that was like maybe 10 days before filming. And um, I called my mom because my mom was a casting director um, in the 90s. And she's like uh, really good at like thinking of actors that you wouldn't normally think of. Like I think yeah. Amanda Plummer was her idea when she read the script. Um, and she loves Piper. Um, so I kind of like run things by my mom when I'm in like that type of a bind. So I called my mom and I was like, oh, this actress, she dropped out. She was perfect for the part. And my mom was like, Jade, you you've got to get Jade in the movie because Jade's father is also in the film and he was committed. He plays uh, Maurizio, um, Amanda Plummer's boyfriend. Okay, yeah, so all right. I, so I called Jade and I was like, hey, your dad and I are doing this movie together. Um, and I had, I had known Jade my, my whole life. She's like a <laughs> dear, she's like a family friend. So I called her and I was like, hey, your dad is in this movie. I really want you to be a part of it. Um, we have to shoot all your scenes in five days and we start shooting in a week. <laughs> and she was like, I'm in Austin, Texas and I'm building a mural to bring to Burning Man. Like, I can't do your movie. And I was like, because, because you said that, you, you now have to do this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you are this character. Yeah. So um, she hung up the phone and she was like, I, I just don't think I can do it. And then I was like, well, shit, now what do I do? I was like freaking out. She called me back an hour later and she was like, I read the script. I changed my mind. I can do it. Like, right. awesome. oh. I'll abandon my mural or not, mural, <laughs> sorry, not a mural. She was building some sort of a structure to bring to Burning Man. She figured out a way to make it work. And um, yeah, it ended up being one of those happy accidents because she, I remember she turned up on set. We had, we had, we had shot the whole first week without her. And we had gotten into like a rhythm and we'd met Amanda and Piper and the, and Landon. And then suddenly on day six, Jade shows up and it was like this whole new energy on, on set. And she was like, she's such a pro. And yeah, she was another one that was just so awesome. She, Dan, I'm with you. Like that scene where, um, is Landon the, the kid's name? The, uh, the younger boy's name. Do I have that right, Landon? Uh, oh, Landon plays Ocean. Ocean, right? Yeah. The little, there's the little boy, and then right. Teo plays Theo, who's Piper's love and well, the love interest, sort of older boy. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so Ocean. Uh, uh, that so there's the scene where she like comes home after being in the city for the weekend, and she's trying to be friends with her son. She's trying to be like fun mm -hmm. mom, friend mom. Uh, that is like the most real sad shit I've seen in a movie in a long time. Like I know that mother, I've known that mother at different times. Like that is, it was so crushing, but in like such a precise way where I was like, boy, this is, she is tremendous in this movie. She's really good. And I like too, that she's not really uh, judged in any way for being no, that yeah. way. Yeah. You know, we do sort of get to understand why she is that type of mother. Absolutely. And the situation that she's in to, to make her that type of mother. Yeah. It's a phenomenal characterization. I'm glad that worked out. I'm glad that she, I think, Probably her dad gave her a call and was like, "Listen, you do this movie. <laughs> you're, gr you're grounded, ma'am. Ma <laughs> you're grounded." Yeah, yeah I, I think I, I'm really. Uh, thank you for saying that about the judgment because I'm, I'm really not interested in like judging the characters that I create and that I. Uh, it's, it's just 
Um, I think there's like enough of that in the world. And I think that if the movie and the filmmaker is making those judgments, it doesn't really allow the audience to make their own judgments. And I think what's, what's nice about it is that if you, if you try not to judge, then everyone's going to get a different idea of, you know, people can make their own assumptions. Um, but I definitely really try and be really conscious of that when I, I'm making a movie where I, I, I don't want to judge the characters too much because uh, I think that is the audience's job. I think that's wonderful. Leave it yeah. up to the audience. And I think too, like when you get into creating something where, and even if you're acting and you're judging your own character, it suddenly removes some of that realness from it. Yeah. You know, instead say. of being a character, they become a tool of the storyteller and that sort of falls apart. These characters feel so three-dimensional, you know, like, like as, as, as much as I was definitely judging her in that moment of commenting on that scene, she feels like a very real person where I, you know, by the end of the movie, well, the movie like, didn't point you to that. Right. Judgment. Exactly. You yeah. Know, that yeah, came yeah from exactly. You. Yeah. Um, she, she feels like such a real person that that's why that moment is crushing actually, you know, cause it's just like, yeah, I, I get what's happening here. This is like a sad situation for this woman to be in. Anyway. Yeah. I, I was like very impressed with that. She was, she's very good. And it is, Extremely impressive how much the movie is, I was going to say removed from those things, but it's not removed from those things. It's studying these people without actually judging these people for those decisions, which is really cool. Thank you. A question question I'll ask, and I think you could both speak to this from a directing standpoint and an acting standpoint. Uh, You know, what what is it like making that jump from short to feature? Mm -hmm. Like, what becomes different about your respective crafts making that jump? Well, I mean, I'll say it was the scariest thing I ever did. Um, I, I, it was like, yeah, it's, it's, it, it feels like this mountain and you're just like by yourself climbing this huge, impossible uh, mountain. And when you start, you have no idea how hard it's going to be. Um, it never, on the first film at least, it, it never really got any easier. Each each process had its own unique challenges. There was the script development, there was the raising the funds, there was the intense shoot, there was entering post-production with no money for an editor and no money for anything. There was the, the year that we submitted to film festivals and got rejected from so many until finally we got one yes. It was just like, it, 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 was, it, 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 it has been and I think will remain <laughs> one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, uh, something that I'm really grateful that we did. Um, but I'm happy that the first film is in the past (laughs) and that hopefully it won't be this crazy the next time. Right on. What what is next time? Like, is that a thing that you guys are at work on? Are you guys like dying to work together again, putting something together? Like what's, what's next? Well, we, um, last summer, um, I co-directed a film with a really close friend of mine um, called The Daphne Project, and it's a comedic mockumentary about uh, a group of actors putting on a production of Euripides of the Bacchae. Um, So uh, very, very different, nothing like the commune, different genre, um, and Piper had uh, a part in that. Awesome. and I'm also writing a uh, another film that hopefully Piper will also be in. Um, so yeah, we 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 hope to work together. Yeah. Once more. Okay, that's All exciting. Right. That's cool. Yeah. To bounce back though, Piper, do you have anything in response to my question about 
you know, doing a character in short form to right. feature form? Um, I, well, it's so funny, like, to hear Alex say, like, how hard it was, because of course it was hard, but, like, the difference between an actor and a director is that the director's, like, wrangling this circus, and the actor's a performer, and you have to make their life as easy as possible on set, or else, like, they can't really do their job. Like, I was, like, shocked on set. I arrive, and it's like, do you want coffee? And I'm like, <laughs> like, and like, just the catering to me was like, okay, it was weird, but um, it was, I don't know, like, I can, it made me like realize like, oh, this is why like famous actors can be assholes because they're so used to people being like, do you want this? Do you want this? Is this hot enough? Is this cold enough? Um, so that was like one of the biggest shocks on set because our short, like when we did shorts together, it was very um, kind of underground and like, you know, we get kicked off locations and it was just, it was more stressful. And I was like, just, I didn't have any coffee. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like the seriousness and, you know, getting into the character, it was, it gave me more time. It gave me so much more time to understand the role I was trying to play, understand the people that I'm performing with and responding to. Um, so in that way, it was very luxurious and um, it was stressful because, you know, going from like, oh, I'm the lead in a 10 minute movie to, oh, I'm a lead in an hour and a half film. It was like a lot of pressure but I only see that now because at the time I was just kind of in La La Land being like, we're making a movie. How fun. <laughs> um, a cup of coffee in each hand. Like, who can, who can imagine? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, the coffee was a bit much for me. Um, <laughs> like six cups, like every hour. Um, but, no, it was, it was so, it was so fun. And I just, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever have that experience again. I don't know if it'll ever, mm. like, you know, the first high, it was like, this is the best thing ever. And it's so amazing and magical. And um, maybe the next time it won't be the same, um, probably, unless, I don't know. I don't know how it could be, but uh, I don't yeah, know. That was, a, that was a really special experience. And I also think, you know, um, Piper had a lot of responsibility on that set. She was number one on the call sheet. And she really set a precedent for the other actors of, you know, always being on time, always being ready, always being very professional, always being very kind to the crew. Um, I think in a lot of ways that number one on the call sheet is always going to have that type of influence. And uh, they really have a, a responsibility to set the precedent. Mm. And, you know, it was your first time in a movie even. So I think you started the experience with a lot of humility and that really stayed um, you know, it, it was a nice set. I mean, everybody was 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 really happy to be working. Mm -hmm. um, it was a fun. It was fun. Um, a lot of laughing. Uh, a lot of trying things. Um, it was very hot. <laughs> was, we shot it in August. It was about a hundred degrees every day. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. It, it, it was. It was. It, it was not so bad. It was like a dry heat. <laughs> we like definitely made it work. What I will say is that sex scene in the RV with Jade and. Teo, that it was about 110 degrees in that oh. RV. Um, that was really, really brutal. And then here they were, this like very slow 
tense yeah. seduction scene that we had to, it, it was, yeah, I, I remember that was the one day that, um, Piper, you were not called in the morning, um, because that because we shot that scene for like five or six hours so that was like the one day where i didn't show up mm. to set and like she was already there so we're like sitting in the rv waiting to shoot and the first ad just goes looks out the window and goes why is piper four hours early for her call time <laughs> and he like ran out and he was like piper what are you doing here and i think you were just like i didn't just want to sit in my hotel room like i just wanted to come see you guys like, yeah, I was. I I also had a cold. I had a cold. I was on a lot of cough medicine. I was quite delusional. Um, and I really, because I remember the, um, the AD being like, "Please sleep and stay in the hotel room." And I'm like, "Yes." And then I'm like, "No, I must." Be here. And I just, I just like watched the scene unfold, like on the um, on the monitor. I was just watching and being like, "This is interesting from the other side." Like, <laughs> I don't get to see this view very often. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I, I don't, I think it's, I did a lot of theater in high school, and it's like, you're, you know, if you're five minutes late, you're fired. Um, so I would always come like an hour and a half early before mm -hmm. my call. <laughs> Just to be, you know, sit and you know, eat with the crew and get to know everyone. So it was. Also I wish all. I wish all the actors were like that. <laughs> I, I, do, I also wish that all the actors. Were like that. <laughs> my uh, my better half is an actress, and she does a lot of theater. And that is the like. I'll come home from work and just be like, our office gripes. But when she comes home from work, the only gripe is like, would you believe that that motherfucker was an hour late? It's <laughs> like the, the key thing is always on time. So yeah, stay in that habit because every other actor I know hates lateness and is there typically was, always late. So I don't know. <laughs> there was there was an actor on this shoot who was late and uh, but like really late. And I won't say who it is, but <laughs> I but I cried because oh, no. I cried because we like there was no budget to to like we just lost those like that person was late so we could not shoot that scene and we just lost that whole morning and we never got to make it up so i cried because i was like how could this happen like it was yeah and you were of course there and I was ready Chris is late. I'm gonna tell on them. It's horrible. Like I mean, it was like five. But no, we're not gonna. Not name names. How could you say this about poor Landon? Landon, Landon is maybe the most professional actor I've ever worked with. Sorry, Piper. He is like that kid. Is yeah, yeah. That's really what's funny. You mentioned uh, when you first contacted us that Sean Baker had said nice things yeah. about your film. We had him on the show in the past when he was doing Florida Project, and I, he said yeah, the same I thing about a Brooklyn Prince. Was like she was, she was the you know she was the person that was keeping everybody's shit together, and she was like five. Yeah, and it's just funny. The, the kids don't know to be anything but professional. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not well, even yeah, old enough I mean, to, to get spoiled by the coffee. <laughs> Yeah, um, Sean Baker's films, like, he was, he's honestly one of the reasons that I made this movie, to be mm -hmm. perfectly honest. Like, I watched his work and I just felt like, wow, like, you can tell incredible, meaningful human stories and you don't need millions and millions of dollars to make them work. Right. So I think that realization opened up my entire world um, and it, um, 
yeah, you know, he was really one of the reasons why I felt like I could make this film. Um, so then uh, when I found out that he'd seen it, it was like, I was like that kid on Christmas. It was just, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, we got to chat a little bit on the phone um, and it was, it was just so nice to get to talk to one of your heroes. And I, it was, he's incredible. And I'm so excited. For That's really cool, next. man. That's really cool. I think he definitely nailed that style too. I, yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, you, I made a note and like there's there's a for a movie that sort of has like a dusty quality to it there's a ton of color mm-hmm. and I feel like that's similar to when I watch a Sean Baker movie mm. even in something like Takeout that has like a bland civic look it still has this really rich color palette to it and in the same way that like you know he doesn't necessarily draw your eye to the person you should be watching but he trusts you to find in the frame exactly what you should be drawn to and looking at. And I, and I think you do that just as well. Yeah. And thank you very much for that. And also what I love so much about Sean's characters is that they're, I mean, visually he has an incredibly unique style, which changes from film to film, um, whether it's shot on an iPhone or whether it's shot on, on film. But what I love about Sean's work is that his characters are so alive. Mm. They're they're like they're not afraid to scream and cry, and they're like he's he's really fascinated by these like vivid, alive human characters. Um, and I think a lot of times in indie films, the characters can sometimes have this kind of like blandness to them, this bleakness. And what's interesting about Sean's work is that there is that bleakness sometimes. Like the subject matter can often be very, very sad, but there's so much humor and energy and vitality that the characters have. And I think it's because he really lets actors play and he's such a kind, nice guy. So I think that just must really help. And yeah, he's like, I mean, I could talk about Sean's work for hours. I I love him so much. I actually, that's a really interesting observation that, uh, because I, yeah, as soon as you said that, I was like, yeah, that is like, that is one of the, I don't know, key things about indie movies is you're probably watching a story about a depressed person. <laughs> like that's probably right. in some way, that's probably the central focus of the movie. But you're right. Sean's work has this sort of, I don't know, light touch to it or or, or something that uh, yeah. brings some life to it that is in your movie as well. I mean, it, you know, it's uh, again, it's like some of that dynamic between uh, Piper, y- your character and Amanda's character, like there is this. I don't know. There's, there's just such real uh, emotion between those characters, but also this kind of like, there's a light interplay there that really brings some energy to this movie too. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to, the other thing I kept thinking about as you were telling that story is uh, Kevin Smith's got that famous story about seeing Slacker when he was young and Richard Linklater, you know, thinking about Sean Baker as somebody's uh, Richard Linklater is uh, interesting. It's tickling my brain right now. Yeah, no, Sean, I mean, really like he, he's one of the, re- he's one of the main reasons why, I felt like I could make films because uh, I hadn't seen independent movies that had that budget that felt that way. So I think just being able to see, wow, here's someone that can make low budget, micro budget films. And they're so good. It makes you feel like, Oh, maybe this is something that I could do. And I think it's hard. Like as filmmakers, a lot of our heroes are the Paul Thomas Anderson's and the Quentin Tarantino's, but it's like you watch 30 seconds of the movie and then, by the 31st second, they've already exceeded any budget that you could possibly have. So it's like, you know, the first shot is oftentimes probably what the whole movie that you could make costs. <laughs> so as much as you can learn from them about other things, you feel like, well, I'm at the bottom of this mountain. How do I climb up to get to make that movie? And then you see someone like Sean's films and you're like, oh, okay. Like you can do something within a small budget that still feels 
cinematic and with great storytelling. And I think that for, for filmmakers that are just starting out, those heroes are equally, if not more important. Well, you can add yourself to the list of them because when I saw the movie, the last thing I would have thought is that Spiral Farm looked cheap. Mm-hmm. I, I would never think Thank like, you. oh, this wow. was a movie made on the cheap. It just, it feels legit. It feels legitimate. So I actually, I fully Hopefully agree someone will see yours and have the same thoughts. I didn't realize until Dan and I talked about this more that it was made on the budget that it was. Uh, it really, it, you absolutely figured out a way to exceed what I understood from having some conversation here, your, your budget to be, it's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's, that's really nice to hear. Yeah. I, um, I, I always felt like I had always my first thing when I would watch it was like, does this look like a, a real movie? Like I always felt like, I mean, like I made it, so how could it be real? Like it almost, it was this weird, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's such a funny, it's the whole imposter syndrome. Yeah. When you do something really good and you're like, I'm not, good enough to have done that what is happening yeah uh well no you don't need to feel that you nailed it it's fantastic um so very nice oh well uh dan do you have like uh other things that you wanted to uh pick their brains about or um man we really got deep we covered everything you actually answered most of the questions i have without me asking them so good on you guys you're not just good filming because you're good yeah, interviewees. I know. Um, I wrote down one line that I just really liked and it like resonated. I, and I honestly forget who said it, but it was a quote of from somebody from the commune that was, quote unquote, we need cohesion above all else. Mm-hmm. And that really stuck with me, especially by the end, as, um, as Piper, as your character is starting to realize like, you know, this structure that I have might not even be something that I need. And this whole breaking, you know, I don't know. I just thought that thematic line went through it. And I really enjoyed that piece of the script. But I wonder now, Alec, is that something that whoever said it just said? Or was that in your script? I think you said that line, right, Piper? Do you remember? I you said I, it to I, Amanda, I, yeah. And I do believe it was, it was in the script. So that, that, goes, that point goes to Alec. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Yeah. I don't have any further notes. That was... Uh, I just, I'll, I'll say it again. I really enjoyed the movie quite a yeah, bit. I, I hope that more people see it and I'll be telling a lot of people about it for sure. Yeah. Thank um, you guys so much. Of course, of course. Do you guys like, uh, do you have anything? I mean, obviously you're here to plug Spiral Farm to some extent, but like are there places people can find you or you want people to look you up or things like that? Or what should our, what should our listeners look for? Piper, do you want to plug your Instagram? <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Instagram, but you know, I gotta get more followers. So, <laughs> um, my Instagram is Ms. M I Z Pipes. P I P E S. Ms. Pipes. Ms. Pipes. Because right on. Mistaken for some reason. <laughs> no. Great. We have a movie, movie Instagram, and we have never done anything at all with it ever. It's completely blank. Yeah. And every day I get notifications that are like, try subscribing to literally anybody. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> uh, so Ms. Pipes, right on. Nothing right. for you, Alec? Anything that you want to promote? I know this movie is on VOD oh, sure. and DVD. Yes, um, it is on DVD, which is, was really exciting for me when they sent me the box of the DVDs. Oh, um, when I was a kid, I used to collect them and like build weird like structures with them in my room. And it was very exciting to get a physical copy of the movie um and yeah you can also uh watch it on amazon itunes voodoo uh, all the streaming platforms have it thankfully awesome. right on that's great um 
And uh, did, do you have like, a, I don't know, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that that you want to connect people to? Oh, yes. Uh, my Twitter Mr. handle Pike. is Tibzay. <laughs> T-I-B-Z-A-Y. Right. Tibzay. Tibzay. Got it. Which was my nickname in high school. All right. Oh, Tibzay. right on. <laughs> Tibzay. Uh, awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for joining us. Uh, we yeah, really, really appreciate, appreciate your time. It. And uh, we really liked your movie. We're like very happy that we got to talk to you about it and uh, hopefully get to put some more eyeballs on it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, this was really awesome. All right, so that was our interview with Alec Tabaldi and Piper De Palma. Uh, the movie is Spiral Farm. You can get it anywhere that you get movies, pretty much. So definitely do that. Uh, once again, big thank you to them for giving their time to our show yeah. and uh, you know showing us this really cool movie. Yeah, um, very appreciative of their time. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Phil Medelfia. That's with an F. I'm on cinema76.com. Uh, I should have just published an article about Popstar, I think is probably the most recent oh, thing right that's up there. The um, last one I read was Speed Racer. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the, I, I just did a Speed Racer article this week that uh, I had a lot of fun writing, and I've got a Popstar one that should be coming out in the coming days. So by the time you're listening to this, it should be up there. Nice. Uh, mine is, uh, I'm at Dan Scully on everything, Twitter, Letterboxd, all that fun stuff. Um, cinema76.com, findy.com. And uh, if you're interested in a non-movie podcast, check out Hot Property, in which me and my friend Steve, essentially we've just been talking about snacks. Love it. <laughs> we do talk about other things as well, and oh. it's mostly just us, you know, having a chatter. Dan, I have a snack opinion. I need you to bring it to Hot Property on my behalf. I mean, you can be on the show whenever you want to. Absolutely, but this has to happen <laughs> right now while I'm thinking about it. Wheat yeah. thins, wheat thins, cracker wheat snacks. Thins? Love them. I think dude. they taste best when you lick them. Oh, dude, because you get the salty sweetness. I think wheat thins should be on a stick like popsicles. I wouldn't not eat it. Right? I'll tell you what. I like Wheat Thins because they have all of the things that you want out of snacks. And it's got a little bit of sweet. Yep. It's got a real little bit of salty, which yep, is key. Yep. Like, even a good chocolate chip cookie has to have a little bit of salt. That's right. But the thing about Wheat Thins, that texture, baby. Oh, mm. Love it. You crunch into it, it almost becomes like, mm. a, like a mash. Yes. Like, like yes. masa. Oh, my God. It's so it's, good. It's practically a graham cracker that is uh got a little more salty than sweet. I love it. Now, how do you feel about Triscuits? Not as into Triscuits. That, that, okay. that shredded wheat thing is less of a texture I'm into. Okay. See, I'm into it because I'm a big mini wheats guy. I love okay. frosted mini wheats. Yeah. I um, like frosted mini wheats, but I think that's the frosting talking. Also, they have a different texture because they get wet. Yes. And yes. so they soften a little bit. Because I get that about Triscuits, but man, I'm a glutton for that texture of the Triscuits. I, got you. I love them. Yeah. Mm, you put a little too piece of pepperoni me. on it. You put a little piece of cheese on it and Ooh. put it in the toaster oven so it's a baby pizza. As soon Dude. as you're talking toppings, I don't care what the cracker is, I'm in. <laughs> We're talking toppings. Yeah. <laughs> you want to start another podcast just called Talking, talking Toppings? toppings? <laughs> It'll just all go off about ranch every day. And that'll Sounds be great. <laughs> I'll compliment with that with some mayo. We got a whole podcast. <laughs> Dude, are, are you like into mayo? Oh, I like mayo, yeah. Are you one of those people like me who will dip a fry in mayo? Oh, God, yes. Fuck yeah. So many people give me shit about that. Uh, dude, and it's delicious. It's delicious. And they're like, maybe if you mix it with the ketchup. And I say, yes, you can make special I, sauce whenever you want. Uh, yep. I do that too. Me too. But mayo playing on a fry, dude, my own. There's so good. 
I mean, as long as we're talking about food that is terrible for you, uh, Red Robin makes a burger that I'm pretty sure the special sauce is just barbecue sauce and mayo whipped up together. Fuck. Woo! Baby, that is tasty. Barbacoa? Yeah. Oh, boy. Or Marmaduke sauce? (laughs) (laughs) Marmaduke sauce. Uh, Dude, if you you want to break everything, including the aortic valves of your heart, Uh next time you're cooking a burger in, like, a pan, Uh don't grease the pan. Mm? Don't butter the pan. Mm? Mayo the pan. I got to go. I'm doing that right now. Yeah, dude. That's <laughs> that changed my life. Mayo the pan Ooh. because all it is is just oils <laughs> and fat, so it still <laughs> works the same. But you get that good char on the outside of oh. the burger. It locks those flavors in. Oh. You still got like a little bit of that, just like blah, 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 that mayo gives things. Oh, maron. If you keep talking, I'm going to keep grunting, and I don't want to do that to the listeners. Maron. Fair enough. It's, I already <laughs> kind of had my dinner, so I really should stop. <laughs> Yeah, I got tacos on my way to me, so I got, oh, I got to go. fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, you can find our show everywhere online at I Like Two Movie. It's Numeric 2. Uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, uh, I Like Two Movie at gmail.com if you want to email us. And thank you again to uh, Alec and Piper. Uh, that was We had a great time talking to them. That was a great interview. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. We'll see you on YouTube in like a week. Rock and roll. My name is Gary Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because we we like, like to, to movie. movie. Oh, Sorry, nailed burped. that last word. I burped as you were doing the and you like, and I like it fucked up my whole rhythm. <laughs>